welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey everybody, welcome back to another podcast. Uh, It's been a few days since I got one out to you guys, so I apologize about that. Been a little bit busy here. Uh, It's been a hectic week, and you know, as you guys know, these knock-on podcasts are really uh, something that I'm doing for all of you out there. Uh, There's really no one supporting that, and so you know, make sure that uh, if you guys can support. Knock on, go to the knock on store, uh, knockonarchery.com, and uh, you know, supporting us by buying a t shirt or hat sure helps uh, fund all this equipment that I'm having to buy for this sort of thing. Um, and I guess just to give you guys a rundown, you know, I still get asked all the time, What is knock on? and honestly, knock on is a brand that uh, that I created, um with a good friend of mine, I guess a concept, you know, the concept of it anyway, but I really wanted, um, a brand that didn't alienate any type of archers out there. You know, I wanted a brand that really united all the, you know, the new archers, um, the passionate archers, the new generation X archers. Um, you know, I wanted a cool brand and a cool common denominator, that would allow us to all come together regardless of what type of bow you shoot, you know, whether you're a Hoyt guy or Matthews guy or a Bowtech guy, PSE guy, elite guy, you know, I don't, um, or girl or kid, I don't want to, uh, to have something that where, you know, people feel like just because they're an Easton shooter, uh, you know, they don't want to, have to deal with something that's carbon express or if you're carbon express and something's gold tip i wanted knock on to really be a brand that was all about archery and uniting all of us regardless of what types of brands we shoot and uh you know originally it started out um as the tv show you know mainly the concept anyway and the name knock on came because we were going to start a tv show um, just to where we could get a little bit more information out there, you know, with the dead center segments and the field recon segments, because that was really my passion was having a better platform to deliver that information. But, um, once the logo came out, that's when it became really apparent that knock on could actually become a brand it could be something that we, you know, that we wear, you know, you can have a knock-on release pouch or a hat or a shirt, and it's something that you can wear out, um, you know, on a dinner date, and it shows that you're an archer, but it's not, uh, it's not showing a bill, big billboard of I'm a Hoyt guy or a Matthews guy or, or whatever. It's, you know, it's really just a branding. It shows people that you're an archer and shows people that you like to, to rock uh, with the lifestyle of knock, I guess. So that's really what it's all about. Um, and you know, the brand has grown dramatically. Um, you know, Lancaster has done a very good job of, um, supplying a lot of dealers here in the U S. Um, and then now we've actually got, um, JVD 
in Europe who will be distributing knock-on gear to all the European dealers out there. Uh, we've also got some other great, you know, great archery shops, Pat's Archery down in Australia and Urban Archery and then Nick at Bow Sports and in the UK. You know, all those are great areas to find the product, but knockonarchery.com is a website where you can always go and see what's new. We got some cool products and I plan to continue to grow that. So Knock On is is really a, a brand that I want everybody to embrace. It's something that, you know, is, is archery, regardless of what you shoot or what you choose, whether you're a target archer or a hunter, uh, you know, it's just all about archery. So that's what Knock On is, and if you guys can, definitely uh, buy a shirt, a hat, you know, I don't want to be an advertisement here, but uh, it definitely all chips in at me being able to do these types of things for you guys. But uh, for the Knock On podcast, I've got several things here on the agenda for this particular one. I don't have any guests, so if you don't like hearing me only, sorry guys. Uh, I will definitely continue to have guests, but occasionally I'm just going to... Uh, spit it out myself so um, I've got several cool things here on the agenda some are um, Q&A's that I got that I think have a good importance uh, but also some things that I've just really been wanting to talk about Um, first on the list is you know I kind of want to just voice my opinion here on you know product reviews um, marketing strategies you know even though I work within the industry, I still like to see myself as a consumer and I still like to have a voice the same um, as, you know, all of you out there. I like to, when I'm looking at products or looking at marketing, I really like to try to view those from um, a direction of, you know, is this really being helpful to the consumers out there? All of you that I deal with every day and, and try to make one step better, um, you know, at becoming a better archer. And there's times where some manufacturers have kind of came out with some real brain bird marketing campaigns. And, uh, you know, hopefully all you out there are smart enough to see through some of that stuff. Occasionally, um, I kind of stand on my soapbox and I'll, I'll uh, voice my opinion to a manufacturer or at least show you guys some truths about things that are marketed. Um, you know, I've done it several times. Uh, but, you know, hopefully, I got another question today. Um, and I guess I'll just say it. I got a question today. This is kind of what made me even write down this topic. Um, I got a, I got a, a thing today about... Um, the toxic broadheads. Um, if any of you out there have seen those, um, they've got a pretty cool, uh, video where, you know, they shoot several broadheads through jugs filled with, uh, red colored water. And obviously you can see that that toxic broadhead, which has a real wicked shape, uh, really bleeds that water out of that jug incredibly fast. So, Although I prefer to shoot, um, or I've had my best luck with my shuttle tees and my Ulmer edges, um, I actually bought a pack of those and went out and uh, tried them. 
they actually flew pretty well out of the bow that I was shooting. They, they shot nice. Uh, and then, uh, I ended up, you know, taking them to the field and putting them to use. And to be honest, I was super disappointed. Um, you know, like ended up with a broadhead that had a bunch of hair and meat all clogged in it. And, you know, the blood trail was zero and, you know, the, the actual, uh, I guess how well the broadhead worked um, was not good. I mean, I guess I'll just leave it at that. I wasn't, um, you know, a lot of times when I'm looking at things as a hunter, you know, I like things to be ethical as well. And uh, I know that with a lot of the broadheads I choose, you know, if you make a perfect shot, uh, things happen really fast. And, uh, you know, and tracking's easy. And I can honestly tell you that was not the case. So, you know, that was my opinion on that. And, you know, I know there's got to be, you know, hopefully there's some people out there that have had good luck with them. But um, I know that I didn't. And, you know, sometimes when there's things like that, videos that come out, big marketing campaigns that come out on a product, that when it comes to ethics or how well they really work, um, it's just not the case. You know, those are times where I definitely voice my opinion. And, uh, you know, for all of you out there, you know, especially if you're listening to the podcast, a couple things that really help out for me is if you click the subscribe button, um, on the, you know, if you're on, uh, either listening to these through iTunes podcasts or through the Podbean um, website, you know, click subscribe so that we can, you know, see who you are because there might be times where, you know, where I need to ask you a question or something. It's nice to be able to have people on there and see some of your comments too. So click the subscribe on that. And then the next thing is, you know, we do have um, a YouTube channel. So you need to, you know, check out the YouTube channels and subscribe um, to the Knock on Archer YouTube channel because, you know, that's a great way to see a lot of my videos. Sometimes, sometimes I put videos on there that I don't necessarily publish out to social media. They're just on there. So if you're following me, you'll be able to see, you know, different little product reviews and things like that, that I post on there. So, you know, you have to click that subscribe button though. So, you know, knock on archery for the YouTube. And then also, you know, if you're, if you're Podbean or iTunes, click the subscribe button as well. And then also, I guess, um, while I'm letting you know all the different areas where you can follow me and some of the projects that I'm working on, you know, make sure that you check out the DudleyArchery.info website and also the KnockOnTV.com website. Um, both of those websites... Um, they're kind of both of them are geared a little bit differently, um, but both of them have an articles tab um, where when you click on that articles tab, it'll actually bring you into a complete library of all the articles that I like to offer you guys for free. So make sure you go on there and check those out. You know, so many of you ask me questions um, that are something that I either just wrote about or just did a video on. And it would really help me if, uh, if you guys spend some time, read some of those articles, 
see those videos that we've got posted, and I think it's going to answer a lot of questions for you because as much as I like answering everybody's questions, it really just boils down to time. Right now I'm averaging somewhere around 200 questions a day, and uh, you know, for any of you guys out there that that work and deal with customer service, um, it's just impossible to get to them all as much as I really want to. So, uh, you know, a lot of times if my reply is really short, it's not because I don't really want to talk to you. It's just because I'm trying to get to everybody. So, uh, make sure you guys check those things out. Uh, that's really cool. Um, the next thing on my agenda for this podcast was I really wanted to talk about, and I've been wanting to talk about this actually since the ATA show, is um, some of the new products that are out there, some things that I found that are pretty cool, um, you know, things that I that I believe are good for people, good for the industry. Um, you know, the first thing that I have on my list um, is that new Hoyt Ignite bow. Uh, that was a bow that when I heard about it back in September, I was actually really uh, excited about this because, you know, a big part of of anything really is getting youth involved, getting your kids involved. And, you know, if you're trying to get your kid, your wife uh, involved with archery for the first time, a critical aspect to that is going to be getting them equipment that works getting equipment that fits them right and something that they're comfortable with because if they're not comfortable they're not going to do it you know I look at it um, kind of like when uh, when my boy started getting video games and trying different video games you know the ones that he plays the most are the ones that he continually wins at and you know the ones that he's winning at are the ones that he likes to show everyone and talk about so you know, I look the same for archery. You really want to have them set up right. You know, let them shoot close. Let them let them always hit the spot. Uh, put a big target in front of them at a close distance. You know, make sure you buy them equipment that fits them correctly. You know, if you're out, you wouldn't shoot one of your friend's bows that are completely set up incorrectly for you. You wouldn't have any fun shooting. You know, if you're a 31 inch draw and you have to borrow your buddy's 28-inch bow for the night at leagues, you know, you're going to be counting the minutes till that league night's done. You know, the same thing if you're short and you have to shoot someone's bow that's too long, and that's going to be the same for your kids and your wife. You know, you got to make sure that you get them set up to where they can have good form, they can pull the bow easy, and, uh, you know, I know that that's an investment for a lot of you guys out there that are trying to get your kids into the sport but it's an investment well worth it because in my opinion uh, a two hundred dollar bow or a hundred dollar bow that they only use one time is worth nothing compared to a three hundred dollar bow that they use all the time so you know what I liked about this new ignite that I saw is that it's a bow that goes from about 15 to 70 pounds and it also has a really long draw length range, anywhere from 19 to 30 inches. Uh, so that's pretty awesome for kids that are growing, um, you know, or if you have multiple kids, you might want to slightly change it from one kid. You know, sometimes uh, 
you know, my boy will shoot for several months. He really likes it. And then he might take a month or two off. So if you got multiple kids, it allows you to adjust that for multiple lengths. So that's a super cool product that you should check out. Plus, it's really priced for uh, you to be able to get them involved without breaking your breaking the bank. So check out that Hoyt Ignite. That's definitely one of the products I saw at the show that I was super excited about. Um, the next one was, um, and a lot of people were surprised about this when I walked around the ATA show and people said, oh, what have you seen that's cool? Um, there's a company called Easy Cut. They make, uh, Easy Cut makes some little pruning shears that are super awesome. And uh, they have like a ratcheting pruning shear. And I started using those um, a couple years ago. And then this year, when I went to the ATA show, I saw that they had a brand new uh, field pack, which is super awesome. I don't know the technical name for it, but it's more or less, it looks like a back quiver that you would wear. But inside this has um, their their easy cut pruning shears, a small handheld pair. Then it also has a pocket for um, their limb saw, which is super awesome. And then... In the main slot, the big slot, it actually has some big loppers, some extending. The handles extend out like an extra probably 20 or 30 inches. Um, they've got you know some big loppers. So this is, for any of you um, tree stand hunters, this is the ultimate to go into your stands. Set, you, know, you can wear this thing on your back. Um, you can literally pull the large, long pruning loppers out with uh, over the top of your shoulder just like you're getting an arrow out of a quiver Um, then if you need to you know if you want to use the small ones or the limb saw you just kind of take it off like a quiver and there's pockets on the outside there's a pocket for your cell phone Um, it's just a really cool uh, kind of a single sling uh, back quiver that's filled with uh, you know three different things for trimming branches and cutting shooting lanes so I really really liked that Um, the next thing that I really liked, um, and actually this is something from two years ago, a lot of people, well, every day I'm asked what release I shoot, no matter how many times I tell you guys, and no matter, no matter how many times I write it down, I still get asked the next day. I shoot Carter releases. My favorite is the simple one or has been the simple one. Um, now I'm actually gravitating towards the Simple 2, and that, that's a release that was introduced this past year. Um, the Simple 2 is exactly the same as the Simple 1, how it fits your hand and everything, um, except the Simple 2 is actually a dual sear release. So on the inside of the release, there's actually two sears um, that pretty much work exactly like a high-end uh, rifle trigger. Um, it, they fire off pressure and not off movement. And I think that's critical for any type of release aid. You know, if you have a release where as you're moving your finger, you can also feel the trigger movement. Um, that is really probably the first step to starting to anticipate your trigger and eventually getting target panic. If you shoot a high end trigger, that fires from pressure and not from travel, you're going to really minimize your opportunity for getting target panic. Um, The Simple 2 
what I like well what I like about both simple releases is that the jaw is fairly short so when you hold the release in your hand where the loop actually goes into the jaw of the release it's fairly close to your knuckles and I believe that that really helps increase accuracy I think the further the release is connected to um, the loop the further that is from the end of your knuckles um, kind of the less accurate is and mainly because if your hand position changes you're moving that that connection point further away too so it's also magnifying any type of incorrection that you have in your release position when it sits in your hand so I like keeping um, a fairly short head something that's super close to the end of my knuckles um, I just feel like it's a lot more consistent but the simple one and simple two both have a very short head and then also what I like most about them is the fact that when you push the cocking button on the back it automatically closes the jaw shut um, so you know for any of you out there who shot an older style uh, uh, handheld release you would know that you would have to first cock it on the back and then you have to close the kind of close the jaw shut on your loop so it's actually kind of uh, a two-stage thing whereas this you can put it on your loop push the button it closes shut and and uh, you don't have to manually close it that's super nice um, as a hunter I just really like it because I can clip it on my loop it's on my bow it's totally ready to go um, as a target shooter I just think that it's faster and again because that head is shorter I also feel uh, that it's a little more accurate and what I like about the simple two versus the one is that dual sear um, the trigger itself is just a little bit more crisp um, you know you've got two springs in there on the sear instead of one so you know when you when you when that release fires you know it's tripping that that uh, jaw open uh, very fast so check out those releases from Carter um, and I guess one thing I can just tell you is um, Lancaster Archery here in the US um, made a really cool part to their website um, if you click on there uh, if you go to the main page uh, you'll see right on the front there's something called pro picks and what you can do is you can select uh, John Dudley you'll see my face there um, and there's a couple different pros but you can find the John Dudley one click on that and when you do it'll show you every single item that I've bought or that um, or that I've you know inquired about or purchased from Lancaster so you know it's really a cool tool it for you to see exactly what type of equipment that I'm shooting um, you know if you're not here in the states and you have another dealer um, in your area you know still you can find those products or ask for those products in your local area but um, you know that's a great source for you to find out what I'm shooting especially um, you know each year that new product comes out and I make a few changes it's all going to be updated on there so that's really cool the Lancaster Archery Pro Picks um, from there I guess I wanted to talk about another few things because 
You know, one of the products that I switched to uh, a couple years ago, I guess it might be two years ago now, um, was the Nocturnal Lighted Knox. I like... I like lighted knocks a lot. Um, I just really feel like they help improve um, your confirmation of where you hit and also help you find your arrows. Um, But one thing that's critical to a lighted knock, or any knock for that matter, is knock fit. And I want to talk a little bit about that importance because, you know, a lot of guys will have a bow and it shoots great and then the time comes where they need to maybe they need to buy some new arrows or you know they might go and buy a new string um, either one of those two things you run the risk of getting an arrow that doesn't perfectly fit um, onto the string the way that it did before you know you really need to if you're going to buy new arrows, you really need to consider, you know, finding an arrow that the knock, the actual arrow knock itself is the same as what you were using before if you want your accuracy to stay the same. You want it to to be the same thickness, the same length, and you need it to fit on the serving exactly the same as well. You know, a lot of knock companies or arrow companies have a slightly different knock. And so if the dealer tied your knocking points or clamped your, you know, if you have brass knocks, he put your knocking points on to fit a certain thickness of knock. If you decide to change to a different company, that knock might be smaller, might be thicker, if it's thicker, what is going to happen is you're going to end up having knock pinch, and that's what ends up causing some inconsistency because as that pinches when you come to full draw, it'll start picking the arrow off the rest or it'll lighten the pressure on the rest, and you're going to end up getting some highs and lows in your groups. If it's if the new knocks are too small or smaller than the original ones you had, then you're going to end up having some slop there. And that's also going to cause you some highs and lows as well. Now when it comes to actual the thickness of the serving and how that arrow clips on, um, if it's clicking on really tight, that's not really a good thing because what will happen is when you shoot, that arrow will actually pull that string forward quite a bit before it eventually clicks off. And that's going to decrease your accuracy as well. You know, you really want an arrow that when you click it on the string, it it snaps on fairly easy. You don't want it to be able to fall off if you barely tap the back of the string. You want it to clip in there, but then you want to be able to spin the string with your fingers so that it spins inside of that throat of that knock. That's really the perfect fit. That's going to give you the best accuracy. Um and also minimal arrow pressure on your arrow rest as you come to full draw. And that's pretty important for some of these bows that have a shorter brace height or shorter axle-to-axle lengths. You know, you start to get a lot more knock pinch as you come to full draw, especially for guys that have a draw length like mine. I'm a 31-inch draw, so when I draw my bow back, you know, the string angle gets a lot more sharp at my draw length than say a guy that has a 28 inch draw so that knock fit gets very very important as you're 
drawing your bow longer and longer or uh, if you have a bow that has a fairly short brace height. And that's actually another great tar uh, topic as well. You know, a lot of guys are, you know, and I'm saying guys, hopefully there's some girls and kids uh, listening to you. I say guys just out of habit, so I'm not trying to alienate anybody. But um, people are asking, you know, about these new, a lot of companies, and I'm just going to use Hoyt as an example because I shoot Hoyt. But, um, you know, like the new um, Carbon Spider or the new Factor, they're available in either, you know, a 34-inch model or they're available in a 30-inch model or they're available in a turbo model. And a lot of people are asking me, well, which one should I get? Which one is the right, you know, fit for me? And honestly, you know, when it comes to the turbo models, you know, I'm kind of getting on that subject just because we were just talking about knock fit and the longer you draw a bow or the shorter the brace height, the sharper that string angle can get. And the turbo models are obviously, they're going to have a smaller brace height, a little bit shorter brace height, and that's the distance from where you put your hand on the grip straight back to the center of the string. That's what your brace height is. And... Um, that shorter brace height is going to give you more speed. However, if you're a longer draw person like myself, or if you're someone that has to, say, hunt with a lot of clothes on, if you're you know in an area where it's fairly cold and you're going to be hunting with a lot of clothes, those shorter brace heights can sometimes bite you. Um, so my rule of thumb on that is, you know, the turbo models aren't really giving you enough speed to do a lot of difference in either kinetic energy or even changing your pin gap very much. So, you know, I've never worried about a few feet per second. To be honest, I hardly ever even speed check my bows at all. I like to have an arrow that's somewhere above 280 feet per second and normally I shoot between 280 and 290 and I like to shoot as heavy of an arrow as I possibly can in order to achieve about that same speed. I've just found that once you start getting over 290 um, steering a broadhead gets a lot tougher. Uh, tuning issues become a lot more important so you know I really like just shooting a forgiving setup and so if you're someone that's like a 29-inch draw or less, a turbo model would still be forgiving for you because you're not having to pull the bow back near as far as a longer draw length. But if you do have a longer draw, or if you know that you're going to be shooting in super bulky clothes, then that might not be the option for you. The better option would be to just pick a bow that's just a few feet per second slower, um, which like I'm shooting the spider, uh, carbon spider 34, um, has a longer brace height and my string angle is better at full draw. So, you know, it's going to prevent me from having to tip my head very far forward to get my nose to the string. I'm not going to have to have the string very far back on my face, which happens if the string angle is really sharp. Um, and then also if I'm hunting with uh, some you know thick clothes I don't have to worry about hitting my arm uh, because it has a generous brace height 
Now, if you're really not worried about speed at all and you want something that's just super forgiving and you prefer a longer brace height and a little bit uh, steeper string angle, then like, you know, the the original Spider 30 or the Factor 30 um, is going to be perfect for those guys that are, you know, probably 29 and a half inches or less um, and aren't really worried about having that few feet per second extra. That's my personal opinion on that. And, uh, you know, and KnockFit does factor in to really any of that stuff. Um, from there, I'm going to jump in. Um, I got asked a question just the other day um, on Facebook about string lengths. Um, you know, someone was had put a fresh set of strings and cables on their, their bow and they were worried about not having perfect axle-to-axle length and brace height compared to what the factory advertises in the catalog. So they were asking, how important is that? So what I'd like you guys to think about is um, and pay attention to is most of the time in these catalogs, you'll see when it comes to axle-to-axle length and brace height, um, the actual specs of bows, Normally there's a little star by that, and then what you'll find out is that star means that it's an approximation. That's an approximate number. Because depending on the size of cam you shoot, like for example, there's uh, three cam sizes on my Spider Carbon uh, 34. So the bigger the cam, you know, and I'm not talking a lot of difference, but it's slightly different. So if it has a bigger cam on it, then obviously the distance um, from that axle back, you know, to where it's it's on the cam, it's going to be slightly different. Um, and those those little differences in the cams also mean that there might be a slight variation in the brace height. Um, you know, sometimes naturally, just by making strings, if especially if you go to replace a string, um, if your overall diameter is just the smallest bit different on the string that you have versus the string that was from the factory then what you'll notice is it'll fit in those cam tracks slightly different which could then you know slightly change your axle axle length or your brace height as well so you know I don't want you to you need to be within the range you know obviously if you've got a bow that's supposed to have a seven inch brace height and when you put your new strings and cables on there it's at six or seven and a half or six and a half then yeah that's pretty drastic but you know sixteenth of an inch quarter inch eighth of an inch somewhere in there those are really not anything to worry about and honestly when I set up my bows I don't pay attention to my axle axle lengths or my brace height at all for me what's important is putting a new set of strings and cables on um, and I prefer winner's choice I'm shooting BCYX material right now with uh, 3D end servings and a .21 um, I think it's I forget the name .21 um, braided center serving also BCY but um, when I set mine up, the first thing I do is make sure my cam rotation or my cam synchronization is where it needs to be. I'll do that first. I'll get my cams positioned correctly. And, you know, when it comes to cam position, that's really all bows 
have an importance to cam position. Whether you shoot a single cam bow, two cam bow, hybrid bow, um, timing, synchronization, cam rotation, cam positioning, whatever you want to call it, they all have a position where they're optimal and you need to have those set correctly. Um, but once my cams are in the position I want, then I draw it back on my draw check board and I want to get my draw length set exactly where I want it to be. Um, you know, I'll, for me on my target bows, I shoot about 31 and a quarter. I shoot a little bit shorter on my hunting bows just because I like having a slightly shorter draw in case I'm wearing any bulky clothes. But I'll set my draw length, and then from there, you know, I try to get my poundage um, where I want it on my bow. And if my poundage is, um, say for example, I need to shoot a little bit less weight, um, and I have to like back my limbs out a little bit more, you know, I might then go in and twist my string up after that. Um, just so that, you know, uh, if I back my limbs out, you know, as you take turns off your limbs, you'll actually increase your draw length as you let your limbs out. So a lot of times when I decrease my poundage, I then kind of try to twist my string to try to get my, uh, draw length back where I wanted it. So, you know, all those things slightly change brace height and axle to axle length. So, you know, I really want you to look at what's most important which is going to be your cam positioning and your overall draw length or your poundage if all those things are in check then really don't worry about being spot on when it comes to string lengths uh, axle axle lengths or brace heights okay uh, my next question here is from uh, a Luis Missouri um, and I'll just read you his questions. He said, Hi, John. I've been listening to your podcast, watching your show since it's began. I appreciate that, dude. Um, I know you're busy, but do you have a quick second? Um, he said that he's setting up his field arrows, and he obviously heard our podcast where we talked about having either anywhere from a half to a full degree offset um, on your veins for the tightest possible groups. He said, however, he only has a right helical jig, um, so he's wondering if he should not uh, use any offset at all or use his helical. Um, to be honest with you, my jigs that I have here are all Bitsenberger jigs that I've had for probably 20 plus years, and they're all with a right helical clamp. But what you'll notice on most high-quality jigs is that you can adjust that. So even though it's a right helical clamp, what I've done was I actually just, I'll put a vein in the clamp, and I'll kind of put an arrow in the in the clamp, and I'll set the, the clamp down onto the shaft to where I can see where that uh, is coming in contact. If that helical is very strong, I'll just adjust that setting, you know, I might need to bring the bottom of the vein a little bit, uh, you know, closer towards the top so that instead of it being a helical, it is more of an offset. That's what's nice about having a higher quality jig is that you do have the option to make something uh, more of an offset versus a full-blown helical. So, you know, and, and if you're looking to start fletching your arrows, um, you know, 
Arizona Archery or AAE, um, they make a great little, it's a little portable arrow clamp. Um, it's, it's very, very basic, but it's cheap. You can throw it in your bow case. You can take it with you, um, to a shoot if you need to for repairs. You can take it on a hunt, um, for repairs. It's super small, super cheap, and it's with exactly a one degree offset. So, um, you know, that's a great way to start playing with this. It's not adjustable because it's set for what we found to be the optimum offset, which is one degree. But if you've got a helical jig, um, and to be honest, I always prefer a right versus a left. Um, so, you know, if you're looking to get one and you want to buy like a Bitsenberger jig or something, uh, you know, try to get a right um, a right straight clamp would then allow you to adjust it to where you have about a one degree offset. Um, the next question I've got here is from Frank Lockwood. And uh, he said that he was just wondering what the ideal knocking point is. He said he's heard a lot of different answers, everything from an eighth inch, sixteenth inch, or even level. So he's wondering what is the best place for me to put my knocking point. And uh, sorry to tell you, man, I can't give you the perfect answer for that because every bow is slightly different. And that has a lot to do with the actual knock travel of the particular bow you're shooting. Some bows, um, if you put a bow into a perfectly fixed uh, jig and then, you know, put the center of the bow in the center, you know, if you center everything up and you draw the bow from exactly... Uh, the center and you're holding on the string as you draw that back that position that fixed position where you grab the string that will actually either you know it does several things as it comes back you can either draw on a perfect line it can draw and go up and down and back up or it can just slightly go up at the end there's lots of different things it can do and that's what's called knock travel and every bow or every engineer or cam system has slightly different knock travel. The better ones have a way more ideal knock travel, and you'll find that the ones that do, you're probably going to uh, be able to keep your knocking point a lot more level. Some of the ones that aren't necessarily designed properly, or at least in my opinion uh, designed properly, they might have a knock travel that requires you to have your knocking point high, um, sometimes incredibly high or sometimes incredibly low in order to get the desired arrow flight that you want. Um, so, you know, mainly just uh, you're going to have to try that out. Um, if, you know, as long as it's not noticeably pointing straight up or straight down, you know, if you don't have an incredibly high or incredibly low knocking point then I really wouldn't uh, put too much thought into it because again you're compensating for the natural knock position of that arrow as you pull it back to full draw so I always start my knocking points at 90 degrees or level and uh, you know and then I always check uh, you know my paper flight or my arrow flight through paper um, as kind of my my first point of reference 
And uh, if it looks like I'm getting a decent uh, shot through paper without any noticeable uh, arrow contact or clearance issues, then normally I'll go outside and, and shoot it for groups. You know, if I feel like I'm getting a very up and down grouping pattern, then sometimes I'll slightly change my knocking point. Um, I'll normally move my rest up or down instead of moving my knocking point, but I'll slightly change my rest position um, so that I am get the results that I want for my high and low impacts. Um, from there, I'm going to segue into, um, since we're kind of talking about uh, shooting and, and arrow flight, um, I'm just going to segue into one last question. This was from Ryan Sowers. Um, he says that he has a 100 grain arrow tipped with uh, with blazer veins. He says that he's paper tuned the arrows, and he notices that the back end of the arrow is swaying from left to right, so it's fishtailing. Um, and then sometimes when he does his shots, they all drift left. He said every shot is very inconsistent. He said, but with his other arrows that he has... Um, that he shot before they always seem to fly like darts and he said they're the same grain per inch and they're about the same spine so he's wondering what could possibly be going wrong and what do i need to do to correct this from what you're describing if you've got a bow that's shooting one arrow really good and then you've tried a different arrow or a different vein and then you're starting to get problems like what you're talking about with fishtailing then I'm almost going to guarantee that there's a clearance issue. Either that higher vein is contacting something as it's passing through the bow, or that higher vein is contacting something on your face, um, which is giving you that inconsistency in your grouping, but also a noticeable inconsistency in the arrow flight itself. Um, we talked about there's been several podcasts talking specifically about arrow flight so um, I would definitely recommend if you haven't already listened to um, the podcast that I did with Clint Freeman talking about arrow flight that would be a great spot to start um, I appreciate everyone listening once again to another knock on podcast um, look forward to some awesome podcasts coming up going to have some great guests here in the next few weeks whether you're target archer, bow hunter, field archer, indoor shooter, clout shooter, pop and jay shooter, it doesn't matter. If you're shooting archery, I sure appreciate you listening. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com